So welcome along to recap at the end of week 26. Apologies for the slight delay in getting this up. I had, again, technical issues uh, with my computer, which meant I couldn't see my screen. So I had to, again, take a little trip to the Apple Store um, today on the Friday morning. And thankfully everything's sorted out and working once again. So that's why it's all up a little bit later today. And the Bible in a, in a year, the week 27 will follow. Congratulations again, as I always congratulate you on getting another two weeks, but this week especially, you're now halfway through the Bible in a year, and so well done. Hopefully you've been uh, enjoying it, hopefully you've been able to find it beneficial. Maybe even in these little recaps you've been made to think a little bit more, which is the point of them. It's just a, a little aside. Even with this we could tend just to go through it and listen to it and maybe not ask the questions we have, or maybe uh, simply not think about it, just go through the motions of it, but hopefully the recaps have given us a little bit of background to the, some of the stages, helped us see the whole picture, uh, and then maybe given us something else to think about. But halfway through the Bible, we've come to a very strange place. Um, we're in the middle of this Second Kings, Second Chronicles story, uh, and those two stories, those two books have been kind of interchanging, and there's been a lot of the same stories written in both cases, in Second Kings and Second Chronicles, a lot of repetition, just with slight variances in some of them. But it's good to see the two historical books from the Bible written about the same events uh, and coinciding. Uh, a lot of the critique of the Bible is that it contradicts. There's a lot of different stories in it, a lot of different versions. But here in Second Kings and Second Chronicles, we basically have repeated the same story in lots of coincident in lots of events, and lots of stories. And I think that's that's a good and a positive thing to to do and to see. It might be hard to listen to at times, but it's good to see that in two different books written by two different people, at two different occasions, we have been able to to see that. We're not going to spend the time going into the authorship uh, and the themes of Second Kings and Second Chronicles. I can do that if you want on a separate occasion. So if that's something you would be interested in, let me know again. Just email me at johnny at jwfraser.com and I can put that up as, a, as an aside. And maybe that's something that you would want to suggest that I do with many of the books, just to give a little commentary um, or a little bit of background to each. You'll, of course, find a lot of that on the Internet or in books or in study Bibles. Um, just to see the purpose and the themes and, and the little things in them. So maybe that's something you want to do for yourself, but it might be actually something that I do just as I sit here thinking about next year uh, and maybe something I could do for that. So there you go, I've learned something too. Um, what we've seen in week 25 and 26, coming from this story right from Genesis and right through the, the history of the people of Israel, we've seen this covenant that God has made with them, uh, a covenant of blessing and curse, which we saw many weeks ago, a covenant with these, this individual people, beginning with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the forefathers of the Jews uh, and the Israelites. And what we've seen in these last two weeks really represents and shows a lot of what goes on in their history. And it's this idea of, of repentance. It's this idea of turning away. It's this constant cycle that happens in the life of the people of Israel and maybe that compares uh, to, to what happens in our lives as well. There's this constant ebb and flow, there's constant pendulum uh, of closeness to God and following God then penduling, penduluming, if that's a word, the other way to the other side where we go off and do our own thing uh, and we need to seek repentance and then the pendulum swings back. And so we've seen that very much in the, in the story of the last two weeks where at the beginning of week 25 in Second Kings and then also in Jewel we see this call to repentance and then at the end of week 26 there 
we see this change in attitude where the temple is reconsecrated and restored to the way it used to be and the people are called back to repentance and, and they come and they repent and they set up their covenant once again with God. And so that's just a little example over the last two weeks of that pendulum. Uh, and of course it goes on and continues and we'll see that again. But I'm going to look quickly at the story of Jonah um, because again in that we see this happening again. Um, we can look at Jonah in various different ways. You could look at it as allegorical, which means it's it's all about symbols, it's about fictional figures um, to look and help you symbolize some other reality or to, to help you to interpret this. It's in essence what a lot of um, some books of the Bible are where they, they aren't to be taken literally, they're be, to be taken figuratively. They're to be taken, as we have seen in the past, it's, it's a story to help us think about something so you can take it in that way. You can take it as a, a prophetic book. You can take it as, as fact. Jesus actually quotes from it in Matthew chapter 12, where he says, Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so there's that little bit, the sign of Jonah, that Jesus talks to the Pharisees about. And so with that in mind and with him saying it in that way, I, I wouldn't take it as fictional or allegorical. I would say if Jesus is talking about the people of Nineveh repenting in the sight of what Jonah did, then we would assume that he's talking factually. He's not going to talk and figured language although it lots of times he did so you can make your own mind up in that one um, but what we do whether it's factual or fiction whether it's we always look for what that says to us the stoner stoner the story of jonah is a strange one we have jonah's being called by god to do something he runs away and goes the opposite way he then is kind of pushed into it uh, and forced to go to these people by god by being swallow, swallowed in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights uh, and then he's kind of vomited out on the shore we see his stubborn heart again because he does indeed go to these people of Nineveh and, and preach that they should repent and they all do even up to the king and so in this great city that it takes him days to walk around there's a, there's a holistic um, re repentance they take his words very seriously you might be surprised at that as he walks in and just starts preaching repentance and the words are, are there that we've heard and so it's not nice philosophical talk it's just literally a call to repentance and like the people of Israel many times they do exactly that and they repent and then we have Jonah's stubborn heart where he actually almost rebukes God and says you know God why are you doing this why aren't you destroying this place look at them uh, I knew you would do this I knew you would have this compassionate heart and God then causes this plant to grow that, that provides Jonah with shade and he enjoys this shade uh, and because it's hot and then he's going to faint and die so this plant gives him shade and then the next day God causes a worm to come uh, and a driving east wind that withers the plant and kills the plant and Jonah's distraught and angry about that and God says to him well was it your plant? Did you water it? Did you cause it to grow? Did you cause it to die? So why are you angry? Why are you getting worked up about all of this? And literally, that's kind of the end of the story. He says that he does deserve to be angry. He says, I knew you would do this. And God says, you pity the plant and shouldn't 
I pity Nineveh, the great city, which more than 120,000 people who do not know the right hand from their left, should I not pity them? And that's kind of it. It's an unfinished story. There's no nice ending to it. We just get this Jonah who's who's left. He, he's he's angry. He's in a bad mood about this. He's he's questioning God about this, and God says to him, "Well, should I not pity them?" And that's kind of it. And we don't find out much more about Jonah or what he did. We don't find out about that conversation that they had, like in Job, where there's this long discourse about a conversation like that. But we're just kind of left. Uh, and to me, I just wanted to, to reflect upon that because that's often how we're left. We, like Jonah, can be distraught about things. We can be angry. We can be angry enough to die, as Jonah says. We can be a little bit peeved or stronger words, if you want to use those stronger words. And we're often just left in that. Sometimes from God, we we get that kind of feeling that we get when we read the Bible the sense of what God would say to us, but we're still left in that position, a bit like Jonah with just an unfinished story, which is unsettling and annoying and leaves us with tension, but that's how we're left. I, I don't know what else to say in that, apart from that's where we're left. Uh, and we're not alone in that, and we've seen that in the Bible, uh, and we've seen these people come to repentance, and should we not focus on that, and should we not look at that and rejoice in that? Uh, and take from Jonah this lesson that we didn't cause the plant to grow, we don't plan the movements of God, we can't see the movements of God often, we, we can't force the movements of God, but we simply have to allow God to move and aim to be part of that movement and try to show God's passion and, and compassion and pity and mercy and love in all that we do. And we simply take the story of Jonah as a lesson in amidst this larger story of a call to repentance and repentance. And Jonah is the kind of little miniature version of that. There, our moderator this year in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland is a, a minister called Frank Sellers. Frank Seller, Frank Seller, S-E-L-L-A-R. He's the minister of Bloomfield and he's the moderator for this year. And as part of the lead up to his moderatorial year, he reflected on Jonah and wrote a book called Anywhere But Nineveh. Uh, and so that's a resource you can use to help. If it's a, a devotional to, to help you guide through the story of Jonah. There's many books and stories, but if you have questions, comments, let me know, uh, and I hope you enjoy the next half of the Bible in a year.